Well, good morning to you. Good to see you all this morning, church. Love it. I am very excited for these next six weeks. And it's ironic, um, probably really shouldn't be ironic, that we're in this series called Knee Rest. And uh, man, if I told you the week I had and the reason why a little bit, why, why our service is the way it is. And, and this morning, like I had tech issues. I couldn't get my PDF to exports. And so I'm flying into church and I'm immediately thinking, I'm going to get pulled over. And that's going to be an amazing sermon illustration. Where's Pastor Brandon? And I'm going to come in all frazzled. Uh, but I had to preach over in the classic service, which was awesome. But I'm like running here and here in my mind's like all over the place. And I'm like, need rest? I'm like, yeah, Brandon, what are you doing, you hypocrite? Like, so this is really an appropriate series for us. So we're going to jump right into it. And I thank you for your grace ahead of time um, because I asked them to make, like, hey, guys, I don't know when I'm going to get here because I am long-winded and I'm going to plan for 30 minutes over there. And maybe it might be 40. We have extra songs, all that kind of stuff. But so I'm thankful uh, for you all in your hearts. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to ask you a question on the forefront that I believe I already know the answer of 99% of you. Need rest? Yeah. Like, and, and I know like a lot of people like, you know, be like, what are you talking about, like a nap? No. Like, that's good. I encourage you, work that into your routine. But no, like, that's not what I'm talking about. What about a vacation? No, that's not what I'm talking about either, even though that can be beneficial. But the problem is, like, even though this question looks simple on the forefront, it's actually extremely deep. Because it's like, we would want to answer, do you need rest? We'd be like, yeah, I need rest. But do we know why? And what do we need rest from? And so, like, a lot of times we start to think that, like, man, if I could just get a vacation, and then I would have this rest. But the problem with vacations is that you still are going <laughs> with you. Like, you can't, like, all of a sudden just go, I'm going to separate all of this there. You might be able to put it aside for a moment. But, like, let's, let's just ask this question for ourselves. Like, how many times have you said, felt, or thought, or let's just say have heard people say, hey, how are you doing? And their answer is, I'm okay. What do you mean? I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. Man, I'm just going from here to here to here. We have this like notion to say that. Or you hear the other thing. Man, how are you doing? I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. Why? It's like there is this weird like cultural trophy that's like attached to that. Like you, we feel like we're only approved or like seen as like worthy or of importance if we're p busy people. It's almost like you, you gotta be busy and tired to be American or something, right? Like it's like there's this like weird t uh, like stamp of approval when we say that, even though we might not actually even be busy or even tired, we just say it instinctively. And a lot of times, like, I ask people this. I even do it for myself. If I were to look at my week or even a day and go, what did I do today? And if what I did, does that even constitute busyness? And the reality is more often than not, no. But I still feel busy. And it's a real busy. And I still feel tired. And it's a real tired. 
Like we live in this life of this endless to-do list, this frenetic pace of life. But the reality is the majority of our exhaustion and our sense of busyness is not so much external. Like, I'm not going to downplay that. There are seasons where you are busy and, like, you know, if you got three kids, I'm not speaking about my family, and they're all in different activities and you're trying to figure out how we're going to go here to here to here to here and still yet have a marriage and all this kind of stuff and feel like this is just what we do. Yeah, that's busy. But most of it is internal. Think about it. Like, how many of you wrestle with stress, worry, anxiousness, fear, guilt, shame. How many of you stay up at night on the proverbial hamster wheel of your mind and just spinning and spinning and spinning? Maybe you got a conflict that you know you have to approach and you stay up all night thinking about the arguments and counter arguments and how you're going to justify this or that. Or a business deal that you know that's coming up and like, how am I going to work this angle? Or a business deal went wrong. Or maybe you got this grade. Or maybe this person said this. And you're constantly wrestling with all that stuff. That's exhausting. Why do we worry so much? And why are we anxious so much? Why are we so stressed out? This is a significant thing. And if it's not like all of these things, like how many of you actually wrestle with self-talk? When I say self-talk, I'm talking about like self-condemning thinking. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not successful enough. They think of me this way. They see me this way. And that just starts to spin. Friends, that's exhausting, is it not? Need rest? Over 50 million Americans today, and I'm willing to bet it's more than that, have been diagnosed or could say they have high levels of anxiety. Our kids today struggle with anxiety more than any other time ever recorded. Why? What is going on? Do we need rest? What I want to do in this sermon series is to help us understand the significance of rest. The significance of living a life of peace and meaning where our desires, our hungers, and our thirsts are fully and finally satisfied. Where no matter what happens in our life, we can be content. We can be joyful. We can be at peace. But it all depends upon where you are placing your trust. Because the quality of your trust will directly show you the quality of rest in your life. And these six weeks are not meant to cause more stress. Okay? We're going to hit topics and things that might make you this. Like the, the, the goal and intent is not to make you feel more anxious and worried. No. The point of the series is to help you see and hear and put your trust into the one that says, today, if you hear my voice, enter my rest. Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to backtrack a bit into chapter 3. Because in chapter 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews is trying so hard. He's feeling this passionately and deeply that he doesn't want this community of faith to slip into unbelief. And so he starts to appeal to them to remember the generation of Israelites who failed to enter into the promised land. And he's just like, 
Do not be like them. And he starts out in chapter 3 by saying, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I love that. It's like saying, it's like, guys, they heard God's voice. They saw God's good news. And yet they chose to discredit that. They chose to not believe that or to put their trust into God. So therefore they hardened their heart. Do not do that. Rest is such a fascinating topic. How many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Okay. Like I'm not like making an assumption that we all are. Growing up, I was brought up in a Lutheran household, and my parents always tried to motivate me. I would call it guilt. Hear this, Dad? Like, I would call it guilt. They would say it was motivation, and there was two commands that they would always throw at my brother and I. The first one was this, honor your father and your mother so it would go well with you. Are you threatening me? <laughs> like, that's how that felt. And I was just like, because God said it, right? The other one was, Brandon, we go to church because God said, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Every time I think about the Ten Commandments, I'm like, why is this one on the list of ten? It makes no sense to me, right? Because we don't understand it, right? You got, there is no other gods. Do not make an idol. Do not use the Lord's name in vain, right? Honor your parents. We already sell that one. Do not murder. Do not lie. Do not cheat. Do not make adultery. You know, don't tell lies about your neighbor and don't covet other things. Oh, by the way, remember the Sabbath. And we have like watered down the Sabbath, at least in my household, to a Sunday morning service that would be about an hour and a half. And that was the Sabbath. And I'm going, why do we need to remember that? Is we fail to understand something significant. First, let me say this. Whatever God commands or instructs us is for our good. He knows our frame. He knows our tendencies. He knows our dispositions. But the heartbeat behind the Sabbath is primarily to remind us of a few things. One is to remind us that God is good. The Sabbath is meant to remind us that God is good. You work six days. I created you to work, says God. But there's one day that you should enter into my rest. Like we, we pause all activities where we deny ourselves and intentionally reflect on his goodness and his created order and his word. Let me ask you the question, what happens in your life when you fail to remember that God isn't good? Think about it. When you struggle to believe that God is good, what do you begin to do? You begin to veer off your path and go your own way because you believe that your decision or this or that is better. I was going to say gooder, but that's not a word. God is good. The second reason for the Sabbath is to remind us that God is my provider. Not just financially, but emotionally. Physically and spiritually, he defines me. I am who I am because of him. I'm created in his image. 
He's my provider. I don't have to worry. I trust him enough that whatever he gives me, I should be content in. And he would also give me all things that I need. I do not need to worry. He's my provider. And the last thing is, is to remind us of God's love. Friends, what happens in your life when you fail to remember that God is your provider? And where this lands the most for us is financial. How many of you, I'm going there. How many of you are anxious, worried, fearful over our economy? Your retirement, your social security. How many of you are worrying and stressed out over the things you're hearing on the news? To the degree that maybe you are not tithing anymore. That is, I'm not making any statement. I just don't hear that. But we start to go, Mah. and we start to forget that he's our provider. What happens in your life when you fail to remember that God loves you? You ultimately begin to look for that love in other things, in other places, in other voices. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't downplay it. Don't disregard it. Don't shove it off because the reality is every day there are so many voices trying to compete for your trust. And wherever you're feeling stress, worry, fear, anxiety, depression, all of those things, I guarantee you, if you were to mine that out and look at it, you will discover the voice that you're putting your trust in. And God's like, remember the Sabbath. I have a rest. And the rest is not just a Sunday morning service. It's found ultimately in Jesus, which is what we will discover we are exhorted in Hebrews chapter 3. We see this in the community. It's like, guys, exhort one another as a community. Challenge one another in this community so that none of you would fall into having an unbelieving heart where you give yourself to other voices and that moves into this life of disbelief. Like, you got to be careful because of the deceitfulness of sin. Like, I, I love that phrase. Stop and think about that for a moment. Let's just entertain a thought. You doubt or wrestle with God's goodness. I don't know if God is good. And when you start to doubt that, the deceitfulness of sin starts saying other things like, hey, this is good. This is better. But if we start to remember that God loves us, I guarantee you, you will start pursuing relationships because you need to find this approval and affirmation of love into your life. Your identity is going to be a mess. You're going to think, I have to be this or that or what people say about me instead of finding your identity and how God sees you. All sin is deceitful. It's a fishing lure that is baiting you. And any time we fail to heed God's voice, we become so tempted to look at this shiny little lure and we think that will fully or finally satisfy the longings, the restlessness, the worry, and the stress, and the anxiety in my life. But the reality is, friends, what happens to a fish when it bites that lure? Game over. That's what sin does. And this is why God, you need to hear when God says, today, hear my voice. He's not 
doing this to condemn you, to make you feel worse. He's doing it because he wants you to see his heart. Israel failed to enter into God's rest because of unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, guys, the promise of entering his rest is still here. The invitation is still open to you. As long as you're breathing, it's today. Do not harden your heart. Let us fear that any of us shall fail to have reached it where we've fallen short. Like, there should be no brother or sister in the church of Jesus Christ that knows another brother or sister who is overwhelmed with worry, anxiety, and stress and just lets them be. We need to, like, move into that and be like, no, let's come back and orient our hearts back to Jesus and, like, see what he has to say. Let's listen to his voice. They failed to reach it. Israel failed to reach it. Verse 2, for good news came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. In other words, they failed to experience the peace of God, the rest of God, because they did not unite belief with faith. Okay? I want to I share this story. Numbers 13 and 14. Israel has been rescued from Egypt for 400 years being slaves, oppressed. And God does some crazy stuff, redeems his people, leads them into the promised land, leads them to the Red Sea, parts the Red Sea. How can you forget that? God leads them. They just have to look forward and they see a cloud and a pillar of fire. God provides manna. He provides quail, water from a rock. Crazy displays. And God's like, listen, I'm leading you into the promised land. It's going to have produce you've never seen before. And you're going to come into homes and businesses that are already established that you don't have to work for. And yes, there's enemies there, but you don't even have to fight them. I'm going to do it. And God leads them all the way up to that final mountain. And they're like, we're going to send spies out to go see if this is true. They go and they come back. And the report is like, look at the grapes, they're the size of my head. Like this, it is good, it's everything that he said it would be. Oh, but there are giants in the land, we can't do it. Whose voice did they begin to listen to? God's or their own? In that moment... They doubted God's goodness. He's not good. He's not loving. He led me here to this circumstance. He led us to this circumstance to die. We should have stayed in Egypt. They doubted God's provision. They hardened their hearts. The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do that. They didn't mix belief with faith or trust. Friends, they didn't all of a sudden become atheistic. We need to understand that belief and faith are not the same thing. They believed that God was still there, but they didn't trust him. That's faith. They didn't mix belief with faith. 
And so they failed to enter. We get to look at Jesus. We get to hear God's voice for us through the life of Jesus. And we get to decide, will we enter into his rest, into his promises, or will we harden our hearts and go our own way? The quality of your trust will always reflect the quality of rest in your life. Always. And it comes down to Jesus. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you listening to? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8, it tells us, if Joshua had given them rest, in other words, if they would have entered the promised land and that was the promise, God would not have spoken of another day. This is the implying Jesus is our ultimate rest. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God where we cease from working for ourselves to try to prove ourselves or to prove things to other people where we're trying to get validation and worth and all these types of things where we don't have to like strive to be good enough because Aurelius will never be good enough. Like there's this Sabbath rest for us. And he goes on, for whoever has entered God's rest has also entered from his, or rested from his works. Now look at verse 11. This feels ironic. So let us therefore strive to enter into his rest. You're like, I thought you said rest. Like, why does it sound like I have to work hard? Let us strive to enter into his rest. Rest. This word strive is powerful. Let us hurry. If we're going to be anxious, be anxious about this. Endeavor this. Pursue this. And I believe the reason why God said this is because he knows that we're created to strive after something. If you are anxious and worried and stressed about money, do you strive for it? Do you hurry to find a solution for it? If you wonder what people think of you, if you're good enough, do you not strive to try to get some validation for it? Like, we strive. And God's like, guys, listen, I want you to strive to enter into my rest. You have to work to get into God's rest. This is not so much about an external output. This is about trust. Let me say this. Or let me ask this. Isn't the hardest thing in Christianity choosing to trust God? Isn't that the hardest thing? Doing religious things is, just be honest, it's a lot easier. 
check, check, check. Good. Is it hard to believe that when God looks at you, he loves you? He knows you? That you have value and worth? Like, this is hard. Is it hard to believe that God will provide for you in an inflationary economy where we may or may not be in a recession? Ha, 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 ha. Is it hard to feel safe and protected when it feels like war and rumors of war are all around us? Like, isn't that the hardest thing to believe that God is good, even in the midst of pain and suffering and disappointment? Is it hard to believe what God says to be true about you when you feel like the things of this world say opposite? That is the hardest thing, in my opinion. And that's why I believe this author is saying, strive to enter into rest. You fight for faith. You fight to believe. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You have to wrestle this. And I love how Paul says this in Corinthians. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because there are so many voices, and the moment we start to place our trust into other voices is the moment where stress and anxiety and worry and fear and insecurity and pride and all these other things start to just shake us up to our core. But when we start to trust in his voice and place our faith into his word and the finished work of Christ... There is a rest, a peace that transcends all understanding. Strive to enter into his rest. How do we know whose voice is what? Friends, I'm telling you, you have to be people of the word of God. Verse 12 of chapter 4. The word of God is alive and active. This book is not like any other book in history. This is not dead words. This is not words of a religious practice. These are words of the living God, the God who speaks things into being, where Scripture tells us that if God speaks, it will happen. The Word of God is alive and active. You want to know why people struggle with God's Word? It's because it says it's a sword. It's a sword, and it will pierce right into your soul, dividing bone and marrow, discerning the thoughts of our hearts and our minds. In other words, showing us the motives and the desires in our hearts, the things that cause us to be anxious and worry and to try to find satisfaction and meaning. Why does God do this? To shame you, to condemn you, to guilt you, to make you feel worse about you? No. He does it so that you can see it for what it is. Because it says in verse 13, man, everybody's got to stand in front of God's word because it's alive and active. And we're rather naked in front of God's view. You know what that reminds me of? Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, what was the first thing they recognized? Oh, dang. I'm naked. And they felt shame. And so they covered. God's word 
is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, that says, why are you covering yourself with other things? It does this to reveal our hearts because God's coming and saying, today, if you hear my voice today, salvation can come today. You can be adopted as a son and daughter. And today, you don't need to worry anymore about my goodness or my love. Today, enter my rest. But we will not enter his rest until we are exposed, until we see those things. And there's good news because what we see next is that we have Jesus Verse 14, since we have this great high priest, Jesus, he passed through the heavens. He came from heaven to earth, took on flesh to live the life that we should have lived, to be tempted in every way that we were tempted, but yet without sin. He came. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever will believe in him will have life, rest. He didn't come to the condemn the world. But it also says like those who love the darkness don't want to be exposed to the light. That's the same way of saying we don't want to come to the word of God because it's a sword. We don't want to see it. But don't harden your hearts. Because we have a high priest who's been through it all, who sympathizes with us, who's able to extend mercy to us, who knows our frame, who knows that we give ourselves to these voices, who knows all of this and yet was without sin and died for our death, our sin and resurrected so we could have life. So let us boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. Jesus is our ultimate rest. Strive to enter into his rest. Allow me five more minutes, I promise. When I was on my sabbatical, I was, before going into my sabbatical, I was a ball of anxiousness, fear, and insecurity, and I was burnt out. And I'm going to unpack this through multiple messages, but it was Psalm 25, verses 1 through 3, that God started to show me some things. And in verse 2, specifically of Psalm 25, it says, I trust you. Let me not be put to shame. And it dawned on me. I believe the Holy Spirit just went, Brandon, light bulb moment. Boom. You don't trust me because you're afraid that I will let you down. You don't trust me that I can do this. You don't trust me that I am actually good. You don't trust me on this. Because I like to be honest, like I'm afraid that if I were to go, okay, God, here you go, I will look stupid. Something will happen, and I'm going to be like, no. And so I would take it back. And there are areas in my life where I'm like, I'm good, I love God over here. But then there are other areas in my life where I'm like, no. And so I stumbled upon this tool. And you're going to have this. If you so desire, I want to encourage you to do this. We all look silly together. It's one of these bracelets. I'm a visual person, so it's good. It says UDA on it. And people kept asking me all week, what does UDA mean? 
And I'm like, I'm not telling you. And then someone said this morning, why don't you say oofta, Minnesota boy? I'm like, because I don't have an F to go with it. You can create your own. But this became an application that helped me look at all of the circumstances in my life in real time where I found worry, anxiety, stress, and worry. And OODA stands for this. It's an Air Force acronym. It's really cool. It's for fighter pilots who get disoriented in fights. And it starts with this. The first O is observe. Observe your circumstance. Pay attention to your feelings and your thoughts. Like, observe the environment, the surroundings. Why are you feeling what you're feeling? And then the second O is orient. Turn your heart to Jesus. Turn your heart to Jesus. Get into the word. Like, like boldly approach the throne of grace. And then the, last, the third one is D for decide. What will you listen to his voice or will you harden your heart? What will you do in that moment? So we observe our circumstance and then we orient. We turn our hearts to Jesus and then we decide what to do with his voice. And the last one is act. How will you trust him in this? Uda. This is the application for every message in this series. And so let's make a fashion statement, church. But here's what I want to say. Because what I found was everything is easy all the way up to A. Observe, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> Orient, okay. Decide, I want to. Act, that's where it's hard. And so I want to encourage you with Mark chapter 9. And I believe this is the greatest confession we can make outside of professing Jesus as Lord and Savior. In Mark chapter 9, a father brings a son to his disciples for the disciples to heal him. Throwing in fits, seizures. Jesus comes down from the mountain. What's going on? The father's like, hey, my son is always in these fits, et cetera, et cetera. I tried to go to your disciples. They couldn't do it. And the father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, help. And Jesus says, if, if I can, it was as if in that moment Jesus was saying, orient yourself towards me. I'm going to give you a time to make a decision. And then Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. And here's the confession that I believe many of us in this room need to simply make. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I believe but God, I don't trust you with my money. God, I believe, but I don't trust you with my relationships. God, I believe, but I don't trust you with how you see me. That's the invitation that I believe God wants to extend to you this morning. And in this last song, I'm going to ask those who are praying, who've been designated to pray, to come up on the sides. I want to encourage you, utilize this time. Because if you are in a spot right now where you're like, I can't control this anxiety, this worry, this stress. I am overrun. I'm feeling burnt out. Friends, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And sometimes we just need other people to fight alongside of us. Trade in that worry, 
trade in that anxiety, trade in that stress for the rest of God, for the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Jesus is our rest. And if maybe the the simple step for you this morning is to say what that father said, say it with someone, say it to Jesus, I believe Help me with my unbelief in this area. And I trust the Holy Spirit enough to reveal to you specifically what that area is. We all strive. We all wrestle with these things. Because like the great church fathers of old said, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in Jesus. Today, if you hear his voice, not tomorrow, because that's not promised, today, do not harden your heart. Jesus, I thank you for your word that is alive and active, that is sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you would just reveal to us the areas in our heart. And I thank you that, Jesus, when you spoke to us, like we're going to see next week where we are burdened and heavy laden, you simply said, come to me. Not come to a program, not come to a seven-step system, to not come to rules and rituals, but come to you as in relationship and learn from you and you will give us rest. So Jesus, we come to you. And many of us right now, the best we can do is to simply say, I believe in you. But truth be told, God, help me. I need help with my unbelief. God, I pray that in these six weeks, specifically today, you would free us from lives of worry, anxiety, anxiousness, and stress. God, I pray that you would um, soften and still the hearts that wrestle with insecurity or even like pride and flattery. Exalt your son, Jesus. So God, I pray that your spirit would move and work in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.